can't even deny we ain't even. SA narrated, it's good business. Yet at the same time, it's all poop. Ignore the fact of the central plan and regulation of overspending the money, Britain. And yet you dumb bitches eating right off these bleaches. Pulling trashes down, sucking dicks and believing the bullshit fed against you. The media lies, the government spreads, the benefits are mute. The market is crashed, the jobs are gone. And the fiat is shit, increased deficits, yet the spending's in money. Meanwhile, you're check to check. But it's okay, the politician will fix it. Fucking idiot. You deserve this shit. While I divorce from society and escape real quick. Work on the inside of what's restricted. Countering with economics and bracing. The real market ignoring politics and realizing society is fucked. So I forget. Pick and choose whom I associate with. Conducting business on a voluntary basis. And living happily tucked away from all this shit. I choose the life of an actress. Welcome in. I am Buck Isaac, the legacy of Jennifer Lee Int Kaiser, hyphenated, of course. And uh, we got a great show for you. But before that, I'd like to get you to get on your web browser, go to fanghornforesters.com, and go uh, show some love to my cousin. He's trying to start a business, and uh, that's what we need. We need a little competition, and we need a we need a little bit more people out there that want to utilize their skills and labor. And he's a woodworker. And for all your woodworking needs, check out fanghornforesters.com. The joke here is we are Ents, the Ents from Lord of the Rings, thus Fanghorn Foresters. Fanghornforesters.com. And let's get to the show. So, welcome here. To the legacy right, I have a return. We are back. I went through my bullshit, and the asshole is back, man. The the asshole has joined with the dickhead, and we are back. So we are here. Andrew, welcome back. Hey. And we have a, a good guest ready for you for today's show. He wrote his first book. Back in November of 2022, it was published. I think it was 20, yeah, November. The Ethics of Vaccine Passports, a Poor poor Bargain by Aviel Oppenheim. I got my copy right here. Sadly, Andrew has not read it yet, but he has his opinion. And most of it's a little bit common sense anyway. So, but yeah. uh, Welcome in, Aviel. I'm glad that you did something like this. You were well thought out. Uh, with your research and uh, but one question I have and you've probably been asked this a lot on the on the podcast that you've already been on what made you decide to write about why this COVID regime is bullshit basically (laughs) (laughs) yeah I've definitely been asked that before um I would say it's a pretty uh like I I mean considering the fact that I was in on Aereo, when all of this went down, it was pretty bad here with all the lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then when the vaccine passports started to come in, and the very and the very concept of having to it, having to inject myself in order to go watch a movie or drink coffee mm-hmm. for me felt so insane. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I saw it all around me through friends become so uh, so accepted, I thought to myself, like, there's something very wrong here and someone has to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I started to just write the book throughout 2020, 2021, and then 2022. And then I, that's essentially the long story short. <laughs> yeah. And then next thing you know, you got a book, and it's a it's a hit around, especially around Liberty Twitter. Obviously, I mean, yeah, I'm glad. You got some, I appreciate you got the support. Your, yeah, you got your naysayers, you got your your poor reviews, of course. But everybody's gonna <laughs> have their their negatives and their positives. But it 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 seems like it's it's really hit forward for you, and it's uh, very affordable. Everybody, so go to Amazon. <laughs> it's only nine ninety nine. So get your book and get educated. Expand uh, that yeah. mind. 
So, but I mean, the in uh, Andrew, you can cut in anytime you want. But I guess uh, one thing that's dangerous about these vaccine passports, and I didn't see it much in my neck of the woods. I'm in Indiana down here in the States. Oh, yeah. um, and I know Andrew really didn't see it much for the most part. I mean, we kind of got a little crazy when it comes to the mass mandates but yeah yeah, but that kind of subsided but one thing that whether it's mass mandates whether it's vaccine passports um making sure that you you have to have this in order to come to your job i mean it's very orwellian and it's very like third reich-esque because it's almost like you're a jew and needs to get stamped with the with the star of david so yeah i mean that's that's my take on it so Feel, yeah, it's, want to definitely, it's definitely just like outrage farming, you know, the, mm-hmm. the deeper the influences, the progressives, the harder it is to get a word out mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, give a different perspective because if, it's, mm-hmm. if the outrage is too much, then you just you need to leave, but that's only buying time, you know, we're living in a, a ever-growing following world. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. I mean, it, it's kind of scary and dystopian. And I wonder, yeah. I mean, when it all comes down to this, though, like uh, your opinion, Avial, has social media um, kind of worsened things, um, especially when you have people kind of trying to separate themselves in their own little echo chambers and this and that, not really getting real truth because they're screaming at each other. And then when they get into a someone else's echo chamber, they scream at each other. And like, what, yeah. what's your take with social media and the aspect of all this? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's like a double-edged sword, uh, especially with the vaccine passports and lockdowns going on. Because at the very start of it, I, I was not really red-pilled yet. Mm-hmm. So I was in that social media world and I was seeing like a lot of friends on Facebook and Instagram all see the same information from the same three sources. Mm -hmm. And then they just have that on their stories and then they just say the same things over and over again. And with the mask mandates and stuff, it was like straight propaganda from those three sources. Mm-hmm. And everyone around me was saying the same shit online. And I'm like, and I was like, not sure. Like, I felt very alone. Yeah. And then when I finally mm-hmm. went on Twitter in 2022, I was like, holy shit, there are some people who actually think like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was kind of a good thing for me to kind of not feel like I'm all alone, but mm-hmm. at the same time, people have to be careful with the with as you said the echo chambers and kind of not realizing that there's people who don't think the same way you do and they don't have the same lifestyle like as you, right? Mm-hmm. And I would yeah. bring up with the vaccines. Um, is the fact that uh, a lot of people, especially on the left side, can't comprehend someone not having a vaccine or not th- or not thinking vaccines are the greatest mm-hmm. thing in the entire earth. Mm-hmm. So they can't comprehend, especially for the COVID vaccines, they couldn't comprehend why someone would just not want it. So they got so angry and they got so upset and it just made it in terms of you can't have a conversation with them because they just they're just so trapped in their own little circle of how things are supposed to work so Mm -hmm. that's what i would say to that yeah i mean i i'd certainly agree on that i mean but i mean everybody has a perspective right and that's that's our moniker on this show like and andrew would concur on that i mean there's no monopoly on perspective, but it just seems like with the world that we live in today and then how social media has tr- truly taken a, a drive towards controlling everybody's thoughts and, and, and motivations, which is fine to a certain extent. I mean, you just have to be careful because sometimes your perspective is molded from on, from another's perspective and you just don't want to expand 
onto your own knowledge. So, I mean, yeah. your perspective could be someone else's perspective. Well, that's not how the world works. That's not how individual individuality works. I mean, we all have our own unique mind and we got to think for ourselves. So let's read between the lines. Let's, let's talk to the, the liberal on the left and let's, let's talk to the, the, the right, the far right conservative. I mean, let's be <laughs> yeah. in the middle with people and like, let's have a conversation about this because the right is so avid on, on being against these, uh, vaccine passports and these mask mandates and all, all these mandates. But if you really think about it, are they really? Because what happens when their people are in power? I mean, I can look I can, on a national level with like with the Trump tarts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Plain and simple. They're, they're idiots. They were more than willing to comply towards a vaccine that is being fast tracked. And if it would have been out, just in the nick of time say within like the six months that he wanted them on operation warp speed just before the election they would have complied to that and then of course biden becomes becomes president the vaccines start rolling around january february truly technically december i mean trump was technically yeah. president still but uh biden was president-elect and the left ended up going and siding with the vaccine story i mean the vaccine story hour no pun intended <laughs> happy pride everybody so um but that's that's where i look at it is like it doesn't matter what side you're on we're all being conflated with so much bullshit in the media especially with the enemy of the people as michael malice would say the corporate press that one two three little sources is not enough yeah. you got to be able to actually read your read between the lines of every one of those three sources and then go off and find your own information and then go off of your own experience as you could probably contest with maybe you'll be up in canada and i assume ontario right like one of the worst provinces it's that got bad. hit so and i live next to t toronto so uh, yeah it's like a, it's like a zombie town if you go in there <laughs> That's a, that's kind of a shame. You're like you're in between. You're nestled between Toronto and and Detroit. <laughs> yeah, and and the funny thing when you bring up like the two sides, like the left and the right, especially mm -hmm. in Canada, like it doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. Um, especially with the passports and lockdowns, every single yeah. province did them, no matter if they were conservative, liberal, and even the very. Even the very politics of left and right in Canada is the same. Like the liberals and the conservatives, they both like socialized healthcare, mm -hmm. socialized transportation, socialized childcare, socialized education, mm -hmm. um, gun control. They're like essentially the same mm -hmm. for the most yeah. part. So it's kind of funny to see them so angry at each other and i'm like you guys are the same you can just talk about it yeah <laughs> so it's even more funny in canada in comparison to the republicans and the democrats which may not be the exact same as they are in canada in terms of the mm -hmm. dynamics mm -hmm. but uh, i figure i bring that up <laughs> well it all comes down to like confirmation bias right you know this is there's, there's nine different types of confirmation biases they're all influenced by the behaviors of other people because we all share the same economy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I mean, this is a classic example. You have all these different pairs of pants. You take them in, have somebody braid them, and somebody says the, the real cheap one's really high quality, and then, you know, you just trade it up. And the longer that runs, it's harder to co compare things back mm -hmm. and forth. Like 20 years ago, something would have been really significant now it's just it's just something in the past you don't even think about it you know this is this is significant now but 20 years from now this is going to be a cakewalk mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well they always say that the the liberal of the day is the conservative of tomorrow so yeah. I mean, <laughs> everybody you know, everybody's twisted with different fantasies in their head of what they want to be feel safe and some people feel like they need a gun underneath their pillow and other people think that they need to be told that they need to inject something into their body. So, I mean, it's just no different from like the abortion issue. I mean, 
I mean, you have, you want to be pro-choice and be able to abort your child. Well, I mean, it, depending on your perspective, uh, your, uh, your biases on, on the issue, I mean, abort the, the fetus in, in, inside the womb, or you want to force a woman to just have that baby. You know, like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Like, Sorry, conservatives, you're for the welfare state, because if you're going to force a woman to have a baby that she doesn't want to have, you're essentially expanding more kids that are going to be in need of an expanded welfare system. So otherwise, what are you going to do? Be like the Spartans and, the, and knock them <laughs> over the over the cliff? I mean, if they're not Put them on the ground. Hey, I don't yeah. need another kid. Yeah, I mean, so... I mean, I, I actually saw this meme not too long ago, and it was the it was the one with the two, the two arms in the arm wrestling. Yeah, and it said it said it's one. It, the right arm was two uh, a uh, enthusiasts. The left arm yeah. was abortion rights uh, enthusiasts or something. And then right in the middle, their fist said coat hangers. So. That's basically where you're at. Like you're meeting in the middle. I'm like, okay, it's all no. fine and dandy. Go have you know, the right still wants you to have an abortion. They just don't want to make it illegal. They want to make sure it's not legal and not set in stone. So what's a, what's that going to happen with prohibition? You're going to lead an economy, a market, into the underground, and it's going to be more dangerous and less incentivized to to any type of safety mechanism. And that essentially goes coincide with with vaccines and, and with these vaccines and these vaccine passports. I mean, you're just going to create a prohibit a black market society that, or they have created a black market society that's going to have to maintain on the fringes of society. And what does that do for any, anything? I mean, you're not seeing a whole lot of innovation or a lot of, or creativity in the eyes of many because one side is going to be with their one side and the other side is going to be slaves of the state. But in, in reality, aren't we all slaves of the state? Because you get busted as an outlaw, you're going to prison or worse. You're going to yeah. get shot in the face. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to have counterfactuals, but if they make counterfactuals illegal, what are you going to do? So... And we here, we here actually on the the legacy, right? And we love black markets. I mean, black markets are key to countering a a state mechanism. So we don't consider ourselves just anarchists. We we uh, we consider ourselves in the following of Saint uh, Sam Edward Conquered the Third and his mm. counter economics measurement. So, but yeah. it's kind of hard to do that when you're you're setting up society to just straight up fail in general because you're splitting yep. sides and most people aren't going to be that counter economic facet of society most people are just going to literally just w either wither away and die because they can't survive or they're just going to just divorce themselves entirely from society where i mean they're going to be depressed and alone we don't want that we don't want no no form of segregation does anything so and I guess that leads to my next question: um, segregation. I mean, the, these vaccine passports seem to be an underlying factor towards a similarity towards segregated classes, specifically whites and blacks, white bathrooms, black bathrooms, white-only restaurants, white-only seating, black-only restaurants, black-only seating, the buses. What's in the that this didn't just happen in just the United States. I mean, uh, or in the South. I mean, it goes all the way even up into Toronto. I mean, yeah. I watch, uh, I watch Detective Murdoch. So they actually, sh they actually had a couple episodes about that. Actually, I, I like that show. Oh, yeah. There's some Canadian shows that are good, <laughs> <laughs> but but essentially, I mean, that's that's where. So, what is your thoughts on on that, Abiel? Yeah, yeah, I know the segregation part uh, was huge, and that's why even in the book I mentioned, um, like at the beginning, I mentioned that you, you, you don't have to look to the 20th century mm -hmm. for examples of how the government can completely become totalitarian. Because mm -hmm. in the little few months or even a year or two of vaccine passports, lockdowns included, 
there was so much crazy shit that happened that like I'm not saying it was as bad as the past, but it was like up there, you know what I mean? And that's quite yeah. shocking. And I know even in Canada, it was really like a split society. Mm -hmm. um, or I think the phone's ringing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> wait, I'm going to let it ring. I guess, sorry. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, so as I was saying, um, you had a lot of examples, even um, where I lived as well is like, let's say you would go to a restaurant, right? The people who were vaccinated were, were allowed to have food inside the tables. They ought to sit down. The people mm -hmm. who weren't vaccinated had to eat outside. So they had to eat at the backyard or whatever. And you know, the mm -hmm. little patios. And at this time it's like freezing outside. So no one's gonna mm -hmm. actually sit in the patios. No, so you have people who are unvaccinated who were having food outside on the street, on the sidewalk. They, they had to eat in their car. They just weren't allowed inside the restaurant. And it really was like a split society that there were certain mm -hmm. people who were on top and people who were on the bottom. Not yeah. to mention that you couldn't go in in the movie theaters you couldn't go on fed uh, on federal trains federal planes um mm -hmm. funerals you weren't allowed to go to you cannot go like let let's say your mom or your dad or your friends got sick and mm -hmm. they had to go to the hospital you weren't allowed to come in with them <laughs> mm -hmm. you yeah. had to stay outside the hospital and wait for them like it truly was like you were a, a, a black dude who just couldn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the fact that so many people in the majority supported it and still see no problems with it just shows how stupid the population is and how they do the same shit every few centuries or every 20 years, 30 years. It's the same shit and they don't learn anything yeah. from the past, which is kind of a black pill, but... <laughs> Uh, it truly was that. shocking, and that's obviously why I wrote the book too. I just thought it was just so shocking. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew knows everything about black pill. Oh yeah. <laughs> you want you want to elaborate, Andrew, on the on the on the black pill of society? Um, why we're all everything's screwed. Get the hell out while you can. <laughs> he's a, he's very uh, adamant on uh, on on the black leaving pill. leaving society. I mean, go to live. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I definitely I definitely feel that especially being in next to toronto I, but yeah. uh i'm still I mean, no matter what holding you... on to the little white pills <laughs> yeah wherever you go man it's only buying time that's true too so. for the most part no i mean the only way that uh you can make things better for yourself and this is where my white pill comes in handy and i'm gonna make i'm gonna give you here here you have one you have one you don't have to take mm -hmm. it. I'm not forcing you, but I mean the fact is. I'll take like, it out there. Go with the tank. So, but the, the the white pill about everything is like you can you you can essentially live for yourself and sustain for yourself. The problem is is how can you go off on your own without mm -hmm. having some form of social network? behind you so like you need people you need to be able to cooperate with people you need to be able to build relationships i mean it's cool to have a a large family that's there for you uh it's great to have a network of of some friends but every so often you gotta you gotta venture off and associate yourself with people that you don't necessarily want to be around but yeah. i mean in the aspect of business economically you're going to have to work with people you don't like you're going to have to make deals with people you don't like so i mean if we just i mean as much as i would love to just straight up go off grid and go live in the woods somewhere it's just not possible especially in today's i mean in, in today's wor world like i can go off and live go go find myself a little nice patch of dirt build a little cabin go live there be away and have a nice little escape but I'm going to have to go venture out and actually yeah. deal with people and, and, and forge those relationships needed. So good and bad. So that's my little white pill.
But I mean, then my little black pill is uh, fuck it all. I just want it all to collapse. So yeah, I just want to watch nice it all blend. Yeah. <laughs> so right. just wait for the wait for the dollar to collapse, then then you can start over. <laughs> we have an uh, alternative economy now, so we do. Yeah, it's growing every day. Bitcoin, mm-hmm. Bitcoin, mm-hmm. Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum. It's there for when the whole system hits the fan. Speaking of that segue, actually, what are your, what are your thoughts on crypto? I mean, and what happens if the power grid were to were to go down? Actually, Andrew, but uh, what are your thoughts on crypto, Abiel? Um, uh, my for, thoughts. Uh, um, I feel like I haven't like um. I feel like I like I like the idea of uh, parallel economies and having a currency or money that is not tied to the government. So mm-hmm. that's all cool. Yeah. I don't actually have anything in Bitcoin. Um, but if shit were to go down, then I'd find he, 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 I would go and find you guys and, uh, Mm. (laughs) and that'll work itself out. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not super into the crypto stuff, but I, um, and I know I actually just recently purchased the book on the Bitcoin standard. Mm -hmm. I haven't yet read the book, but I very much want to. So after Mm -hmm. I read that book, I'll have more of a, uh. (laughs) <laughs> more often educated uh, perspective. Uh, yeah, perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. I mean, just I mean, I don't, I don't have a whole know-how. I mean, I've looked into it myself, like a little bit, but I mean, you're you're looking at the you're looking at the other guy here. He's the one that got me into Bitcoin, and then of course Bitcoin Cash. And I mean, Bitcoin's good to have. Uh, you definitely want to have alternatives and. Actually, before we jumped on, he's he's probably mining. Yeah, he's mining Mon- Monero right now as we speak. <laughs> so <laughs> you see him trans away. He's probably looking at the screen like, "Oh shoot, I just made one Monero." Yeah. <laughs> right. So, nice. No, it's a little slower than that. <laughs> it's a little. But no, the the aspect of a decentralized climate. I mean, to to divorce yourself from status yeah. influences to be your own bank i mean the, you can do that for with anything for the, i mean there's aspects of barter um if you have one sort of one resource that somebody else wants and they have something that you want then you can trade so there's always the the the, the ancient barter system that we can always fall back on people do it every day still to this i mean you borrow on a shovel from your neighbor is bartering um essentially i mean and then you have you have the crypto sphere you have the cryptocurrency um in the dark web scenario decentralized for the most most of it um not all of it but and then you also you have gold you have silver as as hard assets that you can look into and then i mean i'm not I'm not imposed to ignoring bottle caps. I mean, just like Fallout 3. So, I mean, I'd use some <laughs> bottle caps. I mean, anything can be currency as long as you agree with somebody uh, during the transaction stage of your exchange on what is value. So, if you want mm-hmm. to, I mean, if, if you want to, I mean, I don't, yeah. So, I mean, you want to trade chickens for for corn, there you go. You want to trade? You want to trade in Bitcoin for Monero? There you go. So just make sure and, you don't take that corn across state lines with it being on shopping and broke the wall. Is it? That is, is it a law. It's illegal. Yeah, it's illegal. It's illegal to take corn from North or South Carolina out of state, or across state lines. <laughs> of it's well, I'll get yeah, my corn. Look it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad surprised. Indiana just. Yeah, I'm glad Indiana has its own corn then. Yeah. Called a crime a day. Look it up on Twitter. It's pretty good. Oh, gosh. So, so, the ethics. Let's get to the ethics. So, what are, I mean, we look at this on our show. Morality is absolutely subjective based on whomever is beholden to that ethical standard so on a metaphysical sense 
the government doesn't have a right to exist, but at the same time it exists because human beings exist and human beings form groups and human beings want to control other groups to make themselves seem like they're better. So I guess what I'm asking is, is what is your, what, when it comes to the ethics, explain to why you actually, when writing this book, what was the standard set in, in, in stone for, for what you saw um, with these vaccine passports and these ma- mass mandates and all this segregation that was started specifically in your neck of the woods? Yeah, so I would say for the vaccine passport specifically, um, uh, to make it a very brief uh, sort of uh, uh, reply, because it could go on for the entire book is about it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, a big part of it is just um, the notion that a government, and not even a government, but in this conversation, will have it that the vaccine passports are from the government and not just from mm-hmm. the corporation or the business, is that the fact that a government can essentially tell you, can essentially make vaccines as a sort of pre a prerequisite for you to have a life you know mm-hmm. like the fact that it, it, it can even have that power is just absurd and then to add further um onto that just the idea that you can kind of pressure someone to uh, inject themselves with something that could possibly harm them mm-hmm. and even kill them it's just it's absurd <laughs> like yeah. it's so immoral that it's just i it's like hard to understand why someone c- cannot see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially that's what the book kind of looks at is just the fact mm-hmm. that um, it's just to look, yeah, it looks at bodily autonomy and just w- what it means to be human and how that sort of gets crushed by this pharmaceutical uh, prerequisite to even have an existence so i think that's very much on the fundamental core of the book and what the arguments mm-hmm. essentially make or mm-hmm. show and i, I like and you, you you reference this in the book and you called it you you called it a pharma uh pharma fascist state of or a phar- pharmaceutical surveillance state or something like that along the lines so as you can see, it's been a while since I've re- I've read it, but yeah, it's been a while. but you, but you 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 essentially reference that and the fact that they're utilizing the the corporate arm partnership with government. They're forging this neo-fascistic corporatist surveillance state, but in essence, you're you're utilizing a, a you're utilizing that control mechanism through a vaccine. You're basically you're creating a have and a have not society and and going from there so i mean whoever is a have gets to exactly. flourish within society and whoever is a have not yeah. is going to have to either capitulate eventually or wind up going off grid until they're finally they're finally caught because i mean eventually i mean the government's going to catch you a corporation is going to catch you they are, they have eyes on you you can be only off grid for so long before they finally get you i mean there's people that go to mexico escaping from murder charges they get caught guess what there's a treaty there's an extradition treaty with mexico sorry yeah. folks you should probably go to canada <laughs> right i mean yeah i know that's essentially it <laughs> so but... there's a lot of uh, potential for border crossing nobody's gonna think about it mm-hmm. and then two why I- uh, to why I called it a pharmaceutical state is I kind of wanted to a- emphasize the pharmaceutical part too, which is, I think, scary, is that mm-hmm. the pharmaceutical apparatus, I, I think currently, aside from the military industrial complex, it mm-hmm. is the most powerful. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it is growing and growing as the public ha- health becomes more of a weapon and the Mm -hmm. ministry of science the ministry of like it's just uh like in Mm -hmm. it's becoming um like i'm trying to wrap this and not to go on a huge huge rant of like i don't know what the hell i'm saying 
but it really is scary in terms of just how much the government acts as a pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. And you see it always, right? Every single year, every six months, they're advertising some vaccine. The government is. They're advertising it, and then they're producing it, and then they're selling it, or they're giving it to the people. Like, they're essentially a pharmaceutical company. And I think that's a really big problem that has to be addressed. And vaccine passports are the end product of that, I think. And mm-hmm. Uh, we got a few, we got a few months of vaccine passports, but I can't imagine vaccine passports being a thing for like, you know, 20 years. Like I can't even imagine that world. Like I would not want to live in that world at all. I would just go underground and live my life. So it's like pretty Mm -hmm. scary. The fact that the population is so normalized to that concept now. And then we'll, 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 we'll kind of see how it goes in the future with that. Well, what's, what's very touching on the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, the, they're the one of the largest lobbies. I mean, and I can only say this for the United States, but they're one of the largest lobbies to government and uh, to Congress. And the biggest thing that the biggest issue that they lobby for is Medicare for all. I mean, and the scary aspect of that is, do you really want to give up your control, your own physical bodily autonomy to the government? Your privacy is gone. They know your records. You have to go through government sanctioned doctors. There's no real, there's so much regulation to where you're going to have to have tenfold licensing in order to become a doctor. And they're going to choose who. You're not going to, it's just, it's going, the supply and the demand of physicians and specialists would dwindle and you're going to get trash essentially. And that doesn't know what they're doing and those who, and, and for what they do know, they're not going to care because I mean, they're not making the, the significant money that they could be making and doctors make tons of money. There's two reasons because they went to school for, 12, 15 years out of their life and they've surmounted that debt and they have that knowledge, but then also because they have other people's lives in their hands and they're going to have to. So there is an incentive within that market. Most know what they're doing, but um, answer, uh, answer me that in your own words. Like what is the scary significance? I know in Canada, they do have a form of socialized healthcare mm-hmm. and, so, I mean, what is the, the significance to the fear of having a government-sanctioned, government-regulated, government-controlled public health sector within a Medicare-for-all scenario? Yeah, no, it's uh, pretty terrifying. And I would even add to what you saw with vaccine passports is um, like uh, things like ivermectin, right? The fact that the government said that the hospitals or the certain doctors or the physicians or practitioners were, were not allowed to sell a certain drug to help mm-hmm. somebody. And I think that's a very slippery slope that you see in, in like a socialized healthcare system like Canada is the fact that the government can literally say what drugs you can and can't take in order for you to get better. Like it's like, mm-hmm. so I think that's a very, and it, it really comes to a point that I feel like with universal healthcare and all that stuff, it really completely eliminates bodily autonomy i'd say because you essentially have a scenario where if the government can tell you what drug you can or can't take for your own health then it Mm -hmm. could make you take any damn injection it could make you take any damn thing it wants like it essentially owns your body Mm -hmm. and so i feel like that is just a slippery slope that you saw with vaccine passports where it's just you'll live in like a world where the government has a set list of drugs that you have to take each few Mm -hmm. months and then if you don't take them you can't go anywhere Mm -hmm. so i I feel like yeah like yeah i'm ended on the fact that the government showed that that's what it, it can do right it's not a conspiracy like vaccine passports was that so it's, they kind of played their hands in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, you know, we've been fed a steady, consistent diet of progressive ideas for how long? Hundreds of years now. 
and like you know nobody says that tv licenses in here in europe are are conspiracy but somehow this is a conspiracy you know it's it's just an unquenching thirst for authoritarian rule and dictatorship like it really kind of showed that the, it's almost as a government or these politicians it, it almost seems like they just want to sh- see how far they can go as if it's some kind of sick game you know mm-hmm. like that's what it seemed like with lockdowns vaccine passports and mass mandates it it like all seems so random and ar- arbitrary because it didn't do anything right it didn't it didn't help nobody and obviously it made them super rich but what it was almost like a game for them to see how much can they make their slaves and their subjects mm-hmm. flop around and oh, oh you know and kind of act um kind of just follow their command which mm-hmm. is a yep. scary thought it is it, it, it was a politics truly at work it was very divisive i mean and Look where we're at now, and we're now in an even more polarized world, and everybody's oh. at each other's throats, and that's what the state wants. They they need people. That's how they to make be, their money. That's exactly how they make their money. So, and I'd even to... add to that um, as well is uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys and other people, but I know families, and I kind of even my friend group throughout the last three years with the lockdowns and passports like i don't really talk to any more friends like i don't really have many or at all uh where before i'd ha- have them from you know ha 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 high school and university right because i graduated in 2019 mm-hmm. so i graduated in 2019 and then 2020 everything went down um, mm-hmm. And I and I know families now who don't talk with their moms. They don't talk with their dads. They don't talk with their brothers or siblings, or even their sons and daughters, because they just were so split mm-hmm. on what the government essentially like. Essentially, made them pick. You know, are you going to yeah. stand up with your family and friends, or are you going to stand up with the government and your own mm-hmm. <laughs> and your own paranoia and mm-hmm. fear? Uh, which was sad to see. Yeah, it's very okay. risky to be ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and that's that's how uh, collectivism operates, right? They want to leech off of you and uh, make sure that family, the family cultural aspect, is is destroyed. I mean, because then you have nothing. I mean, and only you can create something. Whereas, what can a collective of people do? Well, the people in a collective are utterly retarded. And that's what democracy yeah. is. I mean, for the people, by the people, of the people, but, but literally, look, we're look fucking what the retarded. dear leader did today. He's so smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's kind of scary to just see how much the government is sort of against the family and doing so much to split them apart and if so many families aren't awake to it and mm-hmm. it's like you don't really know how to make them sort of realize um mm-hmm. but i'm glad for my family especially with the lockdowns and mandates and passports we were all very close-knit uh which i'm glad because then if i didn't have my family i would have been like so lost because <laughs> yeah. i i know like before i came on twitter and even how I got introduced to libertarianism, anarchism was through Eric in July. Mm-hmm. Um, like I saw him on YouTube randomly in 2020 because I'm like, there there has to be people who think like me on this stuff. Like at the late 2020, at the very beginning, I was sort of in the sand. I didn't really think much of it. Although I still <laughs> was not going to get the jab from the very beginning. I'm just not mm-hmm. someone who takes them. So I was just never going to yeah. do it. So it was sort of like a ticking clock for me to get kind of uh, awakened. Um, mm-hmm. So I went through Eric July and then I went on his online sort of community. And that's sort of where I learned about um, like uh, Aslitz and Frederick Bastiat that I've right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So in 2022, 2020, while I'm writing the vaccine book, I'm reading Rothbard Hazlitt. So I'm almost like absorbing mm-hmm. the information and translating it to the world around me, which yeah. I think was kind of fun and cool. Um, and then I went on Twitter in 2022 for the first time. And I'm like, oh, shit, there's a lot of people who think like me. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So that's kind of like the progress in a very short time. And that's what I liked about the book is the the fact that you referenced a lot of that. You referenced a lot of Rothbard. You even referenced a, a little bit of Spooner in it as well. So that's what I loved about that. <laughs> I am, well, both me and Andrew are, are great fans of Lysander Spooner and He's the awesome. fact that he was one of the first, uh, um, probably one of the first modern Americans to stand up to the federal government. So, and compete against the federal government to the point where they had to take him out (laughs) through the court system that they created in order to make sure they didn't get defeated. But, I mean, through his exploits with the American... That was back in the day before they uh, took people out without blood. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But... But what, what's great about that is if, if it wasn't for the American Letter Company to go up against the United States Post Office, now the United States Postal Service, you probably wouldn't have seen the USPS when it was restructuralized towards like the 20th century become more private, private, um, more structuralized as a private corporation. You wouldn't have the Pony Express coming on, onto the scene in the 18, in 1860. Uh, you wouldn't have FedEx, you wouldn't have uh, DHL, you wouldn't have UPS. I mean, as as much as FedEx and UPS have become large conglomerate corporations, they've done that because they've taken the contracts by government in order to deliver yeah. mail that the government isn't going isn't capable of. It's easier to just contract out. But they but if it wasn't for Lysander Spooner, you probably wouldn't see the quote unquote competition that that came about you wouldn't see i mean they had to fix their rates whereas they were on a, a price fix of and of controlled mechanism of controlled mechanisms where people were paying extravagant prices for back then back in like the 1830s 1840s for like a stamp or to send send a letter through the mail and that all kind of got fixed because the government was forced to capitulate to the market but the government has to be the monopoly. So they made sure always they fail. Very, so. fail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, but that's, that's, that's where I, I loved it. You referenced, you referenced the likes of Spooner, you referenced the likes of Rothbard in there. So, and uh, I'm big on that. And I mean, you, you almost, you took it on, you took this aspect and uh, in this book and you, kind of applied the market for how it should be with that of the social and political scene. And that's, that's my favorite aspect of why I enjoyed this book. So um, hats off to you and you know, may keep on chugging there. Thanks, Avril, and, so. I'll, I'll, and I'll bring up too, like to go off of that too, is because um, a part of the book sort of looks at the ideology of the people who, came up with vaccine passports or like Mm -hmm. the ideology and the arguments that gave rise to them Mm -hmm. and it was fascinating for me to read Rothbard and that's why I kind of cite him a lot in that section is because I was Mm -hmm. let's say I'd be on Facebook and Instagram or in person I did a lot of arguing a lot like a lot of arguments with COVIDians right is what you call them Mm -hmm. um I did a lot of arguing with people like like so much arguing at the point to which at the moment that I wrote the book, I like was like, okay, I'm done. I can't even talk about this anymore. I'm just so tired of it. But um, a lot of the arguments was always um, you using the word society, right? Mm-hmm. So much like vaccine passports are for the good of society. It's a and then, it, and then, if I had had any objections, it tell me that I live in society, and if I don't like it, I can leave society. Mm-hmm. And they can then tell me things like society wanted vaccine passports. I'm like, what do you mean society wanted it? You wanted it. You're just talking a, 
mm-hmm. as if you represent everybody and it's a very authoritarian way of speaking as the society mm-hmm. so that was a big like that was a big section in the book like 30 40 pages looking at the way in which society is weaponized as a word and and then i read rothbard and I, it was kind of very interesting in 2021 too i was reading him still and I had to re- remind myself he wrote this in like the seventies, right? Mm-hmm. Like I thought he wrote it like last year. I'm like, dude, this is literally right now. Like this is the same thoughts that I'm having, and that was kind of cool too. Because while I'm doing all of this, I'm I'm still reading it, and so I'd read Rothbard, and I'm like, oh, oh like oh, I kind of thought the same thing, and like I just had this ar- argument with, with somebody who. You know, it's like the same thing he's talking about. It was just so, it, it, um, it kind of showed for Rothbard how smart he was. Uh, he's a freaking brilliant man. <laughs> and that's all I'll say on that. Um, he was. He was brilliant. Conkin was brilliant in his own way. And they had their add-ons, of course. They actually split. <laughs> so, I mean, Mises, I mean, Hazlitt. Of course, Mises, Hazlitt, I mean, all good names and all economic philosophers for the most part. They all came comes down to, to markets. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's what I love about it is like if we just got down to the nitty gritty of what is natural, the market just I mean, I mean, get away from bullshit like as Andrew, if you want to you want to say it? Society. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the hell with living society. society. Yeah. yeah. Oh we yeah, does that mean? <laughs> so it's great to have community, but at the same time, what is society? And society is dictated by whomever is the supposed leaders. Community yeah. is where we can actually cooperate, live, and build relationships and work together in order to now I'm go, now I am going to say it create our society yeah. but society in in that manner is literally just a tool of the state just we're we're just a collective of cattle that need to be taken to pasture and then brought back to stable uh, in the evening. Yeah. So, I mean, that's basically how, how the state operates. And I'll bring up to the social contract and um, the fact that I graduated in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, I take some humanitarian courses. I'm not humanitarian, the humanity courses. Um, and I would like, it's kind of interesting because I like people like Voltaire, like Locke, and all those kind of cool guys now that I look back on. But the way I read them and the way I was taught them was very, like, um, was Water very m- manipulative in the sense mm-hmm. that even for someone like Thomas Jefferson, right? Mm-hmm. He's a pretty cool guy, has some great quotes, uh, cool stuff that he talked about. But if I look back at a course I did and I when they taught us to it, one thing I can remember them telling me is that he owned slaves. <laughs> yeah that was it like that's the like that that was what they try to make it was the takeaway and even um so it was kind of very interesting the way they manipulate the a lot of um philosophers in the past in general to make you sort of mm-hmm. trick yourself to becoming a marxist that's essentially what the yeah. universities mm-hmm. trick you into becoming and you you think you're anti-establishment but you're not mm-hmm. uh, is sort of their goal but i know even i kind of figure i'd bring that up a bit with um the fact of vaccine passports and they said how it's for society and then underlying that is it's a social contract that you make right where mm-hmm. it's for the greater good and there's nothing you can say and that's it like that's their authoritarian viewpoint and there's no talking to them about it you just can't reason with them that's the scary part and they really hammer that in throughout your your schooling you got something to say about social contracts there andrew well let's just say if you uh, if you're a good marketer you can tell either the good side or the bad side but you're still making money at the end of the day so if you can manipulate people's emotions you don't have to worry about losing. Mm-hmm. fantastic 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's honestly, I, I have no words on that one. <laughs> Social so, engineering at one on one. I mean, mm-hmm. no, what's, they, what's can, they can define the contract however they want to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, what uh, one one thing I'll add, like what's interesting about you you saying about Jefferson, how he, all you really heard was he owned slaves, is like he didn't own slaves. His his wife's family owned slaves. He, through marriage, inherited an estate because he was a man. Yes, we lived in a patriarchy, um, and she couldn't actually inherit it, and she died. And when she passed away, he just couldn't seemingly – like Jefferson is an interesting character. Like Jefferson as the philosopher, um, fantastic thoughts, fantastic mindset, and very liberty-minded – very for the people, but I mean Jefferson was kind of backwards. He was obviously a man of his society of today, of his culture. He was, and then Jefferson, the politician, was centrist as you could ever be. I mean, in in the way that he governed, specifically when he became president of the United States. But I mean, for the most part, I mean, did he own slaves? Sure. Uh, it, well, not him personally, but his estate owned slaves, mm-hmm. and that's where we're going to stop at. Like he, yeah. he probably could have freed. He did free them. He uh, upon his death, they were oh, yeah? to be freed, and many of them actually lived upon Mon- the estate of Monticello, um, even after his passing, and basically made a life because that was their home. That's what they knew. So where else are we? We where are we supposed to go? I mean, this is home. So many of them actually stayed on and and worked it as much as they can. Obviously, it never got finished. So, but they yeah. they made their own little niche community in Monticello, Virginia. So, so I mean, that's I mean that's the 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 sick part of of history. And I guess the one the the one last thing that I I want to bring up and ask you about. Avial is what is your take on this revisionist history um, that gets brought up from all sides? I mean, from the right to the left, trying to tell their story, from the Marxist destruction of of certain histories because it's it's deemed uh, too prejudicial, too racist, too sexist, too evil, too heinous, and then and then of course the right that wants to to protect their their own terms specifically if you're white so what what is your take on the changing of history yeah i i feel like it really um like it ties down to um the government having a strong having a stronghold on the education system and -hmm. the fact that they get to choose the curriculum they get to choose what the next generation will learn and they, they essentially got to choose the history that the next generation will learn. And depending mm-hmm. on the government, that will change, right? The history will change depending on who is in power. And that's something that is just really broken. Mm-hmm. And even with the, to tie it into the book as well, or to the events with the vaccines and the mandates, is the fact that a big part of the problem was that the schools were being forced to have the mask mandates and they were forced to just close down in general. Um, and then w- w- with the vaccines, it became a thing where the kids had to get them in order to be able to be enrolled or they would have mm-hmm. to be <laughs> suspended or expelled mm-hmm. depending if you were in university or not. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like just, in, just the fact that the government has a stranglehold um, just needs to be chipped away. In Canada, that's going to take a long time because people, mm-hmm. um, it's it's that Frederick Bastiat quote, right? Where it's like uh, the socialists pretend that if you don't want the state education, you you don't want education at all, right? And like the fact mm-hmm. that if if mm-hmm. if uh, you don't want the government to raise grain, you you don't want to eat grain. Is that, that that mentality? Like he he wrote that in like the 1700s, the 1800s. Mm-hmm. In fact, and the fact that he wrote so long ago is sort of shocking because it's the identical 
mentality in Canada specifically mm-hmm. too. And it's a mentality that is hard to break. And uh, so hopefully that gets addressed someday, but <laughs> I, that, that, that's how I would, I would respond. Mm-hmm. So, and then one last question. What do you feel about, sorry, Dave, what do you feel about private parks? <laughs> private parks? <laughs> uh, I like private parks. <laughs> would you would you be willing to pay a toll and for a private company to make sure it's clean and safe and you know and maybe it's a horrible company it's not <laughs> you're just paying them paying a bunch of greedy corporations <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mean yeah i mean if if it's a very nice park and it's not too expensive i'd maybe take a stroll but if not uh <laughs> I'd rather go to a one that maybe uh, <laughs> not as much. I don't know. I haven't really thought too much about private parks. <laughs> so basically, what you're saying is choice is nice, and that's 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 yeah. where we're gonna. Unless Andrew has something to say, but yeah, it, not, choice, I would add to the nice. I would add to the choice part just um, about the book is that I. I I make an effort to never have an opinion on the vaccines themselves mm-hmm. and vaccines in general. I the point of the book is just to say that the government should not be involved mm-hmm. and that um like vaccines are a pharmaceutical product so people sh- shouldn't think that they're like a holy grail that you have to like you know mm-hmm. pray to. And the fact that you think that you know is the fact that you take it you're gonna survive until you're a hundred you, like uh, like the fact that you kind of think that your existence is predicated on it is like yeah. it could be factually correct but it's just a little bit weird and so that's the point of the book is just to make people calm down and not to become so zealot and not so culty mm-hmm. and then obviously it to make a choice based on how how you feel that's the point of the book it's does not you know it 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 always emphasizes is what you said is just the freedom for you to choose how you want to live your life mm-hmm. and that's that mm-hmm. andrew you got anything to add before we take it away what was your favorite part of the podcast okay michael <laughs> <laughs> Hey, who me are you asking him? <laughs> uh, both of you. Podcast that we just on right now. Yeah. You can a- answer first, uh, Zach. Oh, <laughs> uh, my favorite part of the podcast was just uh, exploring Avial's mind and realizing <laughs> that. I mean, even in the bad, you can always find something, some type of grain of good nestled in between. So. Even if you're black pill, there's always going to be a white pill somewhere, right? So, yeah, yeah, no, I'd say my favorite part is to be invited on. Uh, glad to, you know, uh, not get recognition, but be allowed to kind of speak. And, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. and I'm glad to have met you guys. Uh, so yeah, that's my favorite part. (laughs) You are welcome. (laughs) So, and with that, we're we're glad that you came on. I'm glad that you took the invite. And uh, Andrew, if you got something to say before we um, do the send off, I like the end of the end, like you said about <laughs> black film. <laughs> so, I'm all good. Well, people, if you have yet to get it, it is called the Ethics of Vaccine Passports: A Poor Bargain. You can go on the Amazon, order it. Like I said earlier in the in the podcast, nine ninety nine, get this paper back, very cheap, and uh, just to expand your mind, and maybe it'll it let you go on and get some other things, and and just just explore. That's all it's all about. And so, uh, represent for Avial, and uh, help him out, and and just get the word out, and and just be true to yourself. That's all that we're here to say there's no monopoly on perspective and you have the choice and whether or not you want to agree with what Abiel wrote or if you want to disagree 
we're here for public discourse and, and we want you to just expand your knowledge. With that being the case, you can find Avial on uh, Twitter if you want to shout all that out, Avial. Oh, no, I just have a Twitter, which is my name, Avial Oppenheim, but it's flipped. So it's my, my last name first and my first name. Um, and that's that's where you can find me. I'm not on, I'm not on anywhere else. <laughs> all right. Well, you can find Avial on Twitter, like you said. And then, like I said, go get his book. Go check it out. I'm awesome. sure there's more to come. Um, yeah, in the be. meantime, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the meantime, you can uh, catch me and Andrew as well on Twitter, as well as uh, catch on catch us on Substack on 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 our Substack where we're trying to create some articles, more than just a podcast perspective, because it's all about perspective. Fuck news. There's news all over the place. That is just the legacy, right? Totsubstack.com. Uh, but uh, other than that, this is the legacy, right? We thank Avial Oppenheim for coming on board yet again. I am the legacy of Jennifer Lee Int hyphen Kaiser. I am Zachary Kaiser. This is. He didn't, he, he didn't he didn't get the he didn't get the gist of it. Damn. This is Andrew Joseph back. The duo is back and uh we will see you next time. Peace. Peace. See you guys. <laughs>